Okay. Well, yeah, you seem fine. You sound good. You seem okay. Great. Good. I mean, voice-wise, you sound okay, not emotionally. No mic can fix that. This is episode 255 of the Illustrious Gentleman podcast. That's Scott. I'm Ryan. We're comic creators. We both work on a book at DC right now called Justice League versus Legion of Superheroes. I assume issue five is out soon, followed by, oddly enough, issue six. And then uh, hopefully a trade by the end of the year. Uh, you can support the podcast at patreon.com slash super75studios. You get early versions and video versions of each podcast, plus much more. That's a lie. I need to post there more. The much more. <laughs> the much more is a little falsehood, but I do need to post there more. Um, visit tigshow.com. Click on the merch link. Pick up one of our new shirts, coasters, stickers, whatever. And you can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at TIG underscore show. Scott also has a Patreon, patreon.com slash scottygod. So be sure to check those out. And Scott has some original art up at jeffmark.com, G-E-O-F-F-M-A-R-T.com. <clears throat> so it's 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 early. It's early morning. So I, I, I can assume that you are not drinking. That's probably a safe assumption. I am drinking coffee. Yeah, I should just go ahead and for the rest of the shows moving forward, I'll just assume you're not drinking because we're recording during the day for the foreseeable future. And then if you are, you can just give me like a hand sign, you know, like throw something up, like a gang sign or something that I, yes, that. Do the universal universal hand movement for jerking off and then I'll know that you're actually drinking. Uh, I I am drinking. I wasn't going to drink. Because it's it's early morning, obviously, right. but uh, but creator Valley McBeal, David Kelly, mentioned on Twitter that he thinks drinks should be involved in this podcast, and I don't know if that's a I don't know if that's a comment on the level of quality of this podcast, or if it's an excuse, you know, like oh I didn't mean to touch her, I was drunk, you know, maybe that's what it is, but who am I to not listen to listener? So he suggested Tequila Sunrise. That's not how this goes. They listen to us. <laughs> right. You mean, yes, they is in the singular uh, gender pronoun. They listen to us. Uh, but no, David mentioned uh, Tequila Sunrise, and uh, I didn't have, first of all, um, I never went to college, not a proper college. So I've never had a Tequila Sunrise. So I actually had to Google it. And I have no grenadine or orange juice, but I do have pineapple juice and maraschino cherry juice. So mm-hmm. I made a maraschino cherry juice syrup syrup's a better word than juice juice sounds gross so i have pineapple juice maraschino cherry syrup syrup uh and i'm only doing a single shot of tequila because i have work to do today um and i made myself a little tequila sunrise and i'm drinking it in my wonder woman tumbler that i didn't know i owned until i opened the cabinet and saw it Mm. yeah so there we go diana would approve it's pretty so you didn't Powerful. unpack the kitchen? Huh? You didn't unpack the kitchen? No, the wife unpacked the kitchen. And obviously I I packed this glass up, but that was like 14 months ago when I packed up the old house. So I don't, mm. it's like a, it's like Christmas. You open it up like, Ooh, I forgot all about that glass. It's like reading comics. If I don't yeah. read comics, if I don't read comics every month, I forget about how much I like comics. So I forgot all about all these cool glasses I have. Like, I'm a glass fetishist, a glass collector, if mm, you will. I like coffee cups. Yeah, I have coffee a good marks. collection of coffee cups as well. Like I have too many. If if I go to a, like a Goodwill, the first thing I do is I go look at the beer glasses and the coffee cups and see what kind of hotness I can get into there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I, I will say um, pineapple juice. I, pineapple juice and any alcohol might be the money cocktail because the other last week when I woke up to watch uh, Everton lose to, uh, to Chelsea, uh, I was drinking pineapple, pineapple and vodka screwdrivers and that was fucking heaven. So this is, this is good. I'm, I'm happy. I'm happy. David chimed in to keep me in my place. You know, yeah. I was slipping. I was slipping. Special drink of Boston legal. Uh, so I mean some, I'm drinking my breakfast as well. So I made it because I made a smoothie and I'm drinking smoothies all week, much to the detriment of my intestines. Um, I thought since we don't have much to talk about this week, part of TikTok could be breakfast. What's your go-to breakfast? Because I'm drinking a smoothie 
with kale, banana, kefir milk, and strawberries. Wow. And possibly a shot of tequila, but then that would be irresponsible because I have to work today. Um, but what's your go-to breakfast? Malto uh, meal s'mores cereal. Is that a real thing? That's a real thing. Chocolate and marshmallows and shit. So it's like uh, Lucky Lucky Charms but with chocolate syrup. So it's like a mix-up of Count Chocula and Lucky Charms. Uh, I guess. It's also got like the graham cracker pieces, so it's a little bit uh, golden grams. Is that? Yeah, so it's like if golden grams. Count- yeah, if golden grams, Lucky Count Charms. Count Chocula and Lucky Count Charms Chocula. had a three-way. Had a menage a trois. It's funny that it's a Malto meal cereal because – I grew up thinking Malto meal was like the healthy shit you didn't want to eat. Oh, it's all garbage. Yeah. So do you like mix it with like chocolate milk just to be even more of a fucking heathen or just regular milk? Whole <laughs> milk, skim milk? What yeah. kind of what kind of milk you drinking? Oh, a skim. So water. Yeah. Yeah, I could never I don't go like skim. Thick milk. I could never go all the way to skim. I could talk myself down to 1%. But skim was just like, skim is like when you're washing a glass out that had milk in it, that's skim milk. Okay. It's disgusting. I I don't like my liquids to be viscous. But like the smoothie that I'm drinking? Yeah, no thanks. I got to fucking chew. Uh, Yeah, I grew up though on whole milk. And then when I was on uh, that diet where you just eat a bunch of fat, um, I drank whole milk again pretty tasty okay it, it, it's the best milk it's whole milk you're kidding yourself you're lying to yourself if you say otherwise <laughs> that's okay. thank you for telling me how i feel do you uh hey i'm a 45 46 year old man that's my job um white man if you were yeah i forgot about that part uh because it's i've never had to think about it that's why i forgot about it uh <laughs> If you were drinking, if you were drinking like chocolate milk, would you go for the whole milk then to get like the shake consistency to get a thicker thing, or do you still? I don't know. I can't see myself reaching for chocolate milk, so uh, All right. I don't think about it. I can't. I can't conceive of such a thing. Yeah, I haven't. I won't d- entertain it. Good for you. Boundaries. I haven't. Uh, I haven't eaten cereal on a regular basis since I was in high school. Because I remember when I moved out on my own and I realized how much cereal cost, and then how much, how quickly I go through a box of cereal on my own. I just compared stopped. to what? Eating nothing. Yeah, he just skipping breakfast is a much cheaper option than eating cereal. And that's what I learned at 19 years old or 18 years old. Uh, and I just never really went back to cereal. We didn't, when my kids were little, we didn't really have cereal in the house as far as, well, we had Cheerios. That's almost like not even cereal, like plain Cheerios. It's, it's not like even. Unseasoned croutons. Yeah. It's, but it's not as bad as like granola, you know, like the people who just fucking put granola in a bowl with some milk. Those people are fucking sociopaths. Those, yeah. That's a weirdo. Yeah. Don't talk to me. That's right. Uh, also here today on TikTok, before we get too far into it and people turn off the pod, uh, I want to give a shout out to a friend of the program. You and I, you and I, our friend, I guess more your friend, more of an acquaintance to me, uh, Jay Ferber. Ferber. Uh, he and Justin Greenwood have a graphic novel, Area 510, Area 510, coming out at Oni Press on October 25th. Uh, colored by uh, Lee Lowridge and lettered by our pal uh, Thomas Maurer. Um, Jay sent me a, an early PDF preview version yesterday. Um, and it was good. I liked it. It's like uh, that movie. It, well, you have to ask for it. So I reached out. Oh. You know, I held my hand out and he grabbed my hand. And together we walked through the free PDF version of uh, Area 510. And uh, it's like the movie 16 Blocks, which I never saw, but I know what it's about, meets uh, Independence Day with a little bit of Training Day thrown in. Mm. Good just measure. A, just a pinch? Yeah, it's got, uh, it's got aliens. It's got cops. It's got a rookie cop. It's got uh, all, sort of, all sorts of fun stuff. Uh, Jay is, a, as you know, is a lover of uh, police serials and just sort of drama serials mm. that have a 
that have a police bend it's the to serial it. Serial show, huh? It's the serial show. Yes, uh, <laughs> all the serials. Yeah, I stepped on it because my hearing, along with my, along with my eyesight, going bad. Uh, but yeah, it was a fun, it was a quick read, snappy script, really good art. Uh, Justin and uh, Lee make a good combo there. So uh, yeah, it's up for pre-order now. Good. So I, I, I'm glad the business with Oni didn't sync all of the titles. Yeah, I know that when the business when the when the news was coming out, he made a tweet about like his first comic book project in a while was coming out through them and now he was concerned but yeah it looks like it's on the books for late october but it's up for a pre-order now so if you're a comic book fan who likes uh who likes uh cereal yeah and I feel like uh, this has got all the cereals got all the cereals all the aliens i assume it has like breakfast cereal in it as well yeah tell your lcs you want the cereal book area 510 that's right They'll order it for you. Or I think you can also probably pre-order it through Amazon, all sorts of shit. Uh, so check it out. Oh, um, do you think like an alternate title could have been Area 5-0? Because it's full of cops? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think it was more of a play on Area 51 instead of a oh, play yeah. on Area yes. 5-0. Yeah, but yeah, area fifty. You still get area fifty-one with area five-zero, but you also get the cop thing with five-zero. Right. I don't know. Who knows? Maybe you should shoot him a text. Tell him it's not too late. Change the name of your book. Yeah. Uh, send me that PDF, and I'll send him corrections. There you go. Bust out your uh, red pen. Um, Couple more things. Speaking of getting old, I've, I've got a couple of comics at the library this week. That's already old. The fact that I said that, but also like I had to put on my readers to get so I wouldn't have eye strain trying to read them. So that sucks. Um, but now I think it's fucking up everything else. Like now I don't have them on. My eyes still feel fucked up. So maybe I just have some eye disease. Maybe I have like I'm, eye cancer. I don't know. I I'm starting to suspect it's a just a consequence of. The digital life. I don't know. I, I need them to work. But then once I'm done, my eyes are fucked. Right. I can't I can't like see anything on my phone. Like I got some of those uh those pre-planned meal things that come with the directions and shit. I can't read that. Yeah, I didn't want to put them on and I was just telling myself because it's really come on quickly. Like in the last like two weeks, have I started having a hard time reading my phone or reading comics? And I just thought like, oh, it's just eye strain from work or it's just, uh, you know, just you're just tired or whatever. Long COVID, who knows? Um, but then last night I just said, fuck it. And I pulled them out of my drawer. I haven't put them on in months. And I put them on and looked at my phone and I was like, holy shit, the difference this just made like just scrolling Twitter with my readers on. And then I looked at a comic and I was like, Oh my God, like it's where have these been all my life? Except, and except going. I never wanted to be the guy who wore glasses. I mean, I've hold out, hold held out for 46 fucking years. And then the last two weeks it happens. Like what's going on here? Dr. Yeah, Scott. I I'm, I'm, uh, I'm have to take my readers with me in my pocket years old now. <laughs> yeah. You got to get the ones that magnetically clip on the bridge so you can just hang them down like headphones clip them up to read the menu yeah like i used to be the guy that read the menu to my wife when she forgot her glasses what's going to happen when we both forget our glasses you gotta get the large print menus oh my god this sucks uh yeah so anyways i picked up a couple books one of them was earth x which i never read four o'clock did you ever read earth x you seem like an alex i know of it i had the 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 preview comic that came in uh issue of wizard i probably still have it uh yeah so i've never checked it out even though i should have because it's john paul leon uh bill reinhold on inks holding it down um but yeah like i was just i, I real real quickly the maybe about 50 <laughs> well, maybe jed is his cousin um but like i quickly learned there's so many words in this <laughs> it, is, it is like the book is like the book you is like, like my nine-year-old the book is like bedtime oh my god there's so many words in this book 
the book is just thirsty with word balloons and fucking narration and fucking, I mean, it is, it's, it's insane. Narration uh, and fucking. Yeah. I didn't so expect I, that from Earth X. So I quickly just well, started. Earth triple X. I just quickly started skimming the book and just looking at the art and getting the, the bigger, the bigger uh, overall vibe of the book. Um, and there's so much going on, so many fun ideas, so much going on. But a lot of it is telling us what's happening instead of showing us what's happening. Mm. You know, it's like the watcher talking to somebody, basically just, uh, you know, I'm talking to you. Yes. Uh, one thing, not nearly as coherent as Kingdom Come. And uh, I mean, obviously different writers. But uh, there's a theme that goes through it that basically plays on. Spoiler alert for anyone who hasn't read a 24 year old book. uh Everyone on Earth has has mutated and kind of gotten powers, and so a lot of the older heroes have just gone to seed. Like Peter Parker's Peter Porker, pretty much. Uh, everyone's just like Wolverine is old and fat. Like it's just like they thought the only reason they were heroes is because they had powers, and that's a weird take. Instead of like you know it was in them all along, which is what the Marvel Universe has been beating down our throats for for decades. Is that the person makes the hero, not the powers. And this just sort of is like, oh, yeah, Peter Parker's a fat piece of shit now. Logan's a drunk on the couch, piece of shit. Um, that that I thought is a weird, really weird take. Mm. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I still recommend the book. It's not in recommendation area, but I still would say it's worth checking out. The art itself is For worth checking art. out. Yes. JPL, he's the master. Yeah, it sounds like uh, like a teenager trying to recreate something about something they liked. Like they took the the superficial parts of Kingdom Come. Like, oh yeah, I'm just gonna do that with like Spider Man and shit. Yeah, I don't know. Like maybe Alex Ross was like, yeah, well, I did Kingdom Come, so I can do this. And I think Jim Kruger kind of had to script uh, out of Alex Ross's ideas and maybe. Like too ambitious. Like there's some like real like G-lister heroes showing up in this for like two or three panels. Um, but again, it's fun. Whatever. Spoiler alert: they save the day. They win. Shocker. Uh, and if and if you're a Machine Man X fifty one fan, uh, Machine Man Stan, th- this is the book for you. Ooh. Yeah. So if you like watch the red next wave and you're a big fan of Aaron stack, you're like, I need more Aaron stack X 51 machine, man. Get on some earth X. Remember, remember when Pasquale fairy drew an X 51, he drew like a machine man series that Marvel launched in the late nineties. Oh, like, wow. This is like, this is our big new thing is. Oh, machine I was going to make a joke that if, if you're a machine man completist, you just need this book, but I guess not. Nope, Pasquale Fairy, Barry. Pasquale Fairy, baby. There you go. Tequila Sunrise. Um, it's my favorite Garth Brooks song. Well, for anyone watching the video, that's why I called myself Kurt Russell today. Uh, we do have one question. It's good when I reach out on social medias, my, my minimal reach on social media, and ask for questions, and we got one. From Austin, oh. Ham- Austin Hamblin. Uh, Austin is a, uh, I don't know how you describe him. Lackey might be one term, but that doesn't seem very nice. No. Uh, assistant. Well, the way Phil treats him. I'm on Austin's side here, but he's Phil Hester's assistant. Um, so I've met Austin a couple times. He's a fun guy. Uh, he he, he uh, wrote on Twitter. In an ever-changing comic market, how can a creator stand out? Austin's a writer trying to break in. So in an ever-changing comic market, how does a how can a creator stand out? And I'm going to let you go first because you wrote two, you wrote four words total. In your yeah. in your in depth in depth analysis of this question, they can't was my answer. But then I expounded with projects can, and I did. It, it's hard enough for an artist to do it, but a writer, forget about it. I, you can open up a book immediately and judge an artist's work. You can't do that with a writer. 
Uh, I agree. So I guess I, I don't agree with your blanket statement that creators can't stand out. Only projects can. Uh, I think you, I do agree with the part where for a writer, it's very difficult. Um, like even someone who's blown up in the last five, six years, someone like Donnie Cates, it's because he had a good artist on these books, his image books that then got him to bigger prominence. And then people uh, find the writing, you know, and then that's where the praise comes in. Um but yeah, artists for sure. Like uh, James Heron is an example. Like that guy stands out on his own. You don't really need to see what the book is about to see that it's a James Heron book. Um, so my thought is you got to be willing to evolve. You got to be willing to, uh, this is a big one. Like people that I know that I've known for like 15, 10, 15 years that have always kind of like bet on themselves and done their own projects and stuff like that. I see that yeah. starting to pay off. So I would say if you're a young creator trying to get in, bet on yourself now when you're still starting out, be willing to take chances and do, do like, do, uh, you know, uh, out of the box work now, do your crazy shit now, and then try to get noticed. And then, you know, when you write X-Men, maybe rein it in a little bit, um, as opposed to trying to like, like me be in this industry for 15 years and then trying to be like, Oh, I'm going to go all in on some weird shit I want to do now. Like, uh, I don't have the audience after 15 years, but you can do that in reverse. You can spend four or five years, you know, just, just really being you putting every part of you in every project. Then it's easier when you get hired on big two books or on bigger, bigger name properties to then tone it down a little bit. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. I, I suppose I get what you mean. Yeah. Like, like Phil and Andy Parks, they went from being artists to also writing. Right. Like for me to, to go from being an artist to being a colorist to me, like now I'm going to write. I feel like that's, I'm doing shit ass backwards. Oh, wait, that's the same thing they're doing. Never mind. Yeah. Tequila Sunrise. That's cereal on the brain. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah. Maybe I just, I guess a lot of it is you just have to be good enough as well. Like, I, I don't know if I have enough faith in my abilities to, at this point, go on a, go out and say, like, I want to write Daredevil, you know, and I'm going to make that a goal and work towards it. I'm not saying I, that that's an impossibility, but I don't know if I have enough faith in my own storytelling abilities or if I even want to do that. Because, uh, you know, I would set the bar so high for the yeah. man without fear that who could yeah. follow me. Oof, it'd, be unfair. it'd be unfair to the Austin Hamblins of this world if I did that. Uh, yeah, I guess my advice is just be unique and bet on yourself. Don't uh, don't go out and pitch the same fucking Reed Richards story that everyone's sure. About. Yeah, you. Um, I, what I've been thinking about a lot lately is what is it that I can do that nobody else does. And, it, you know, the more people that throw their hats in the ring, the, the harder it is to find that thing. But I think that's probably, well, certainly it's the key to legacy. It's not necessarily the key to work but it doesn't hurt. I don't know. Lately, I've just been thinking, like, I, I don't, I, I want to be the guy that does blah. You know? Um, does that, does oh, that desire trump me from wanting to continue to work? No. But. You're, you're definitely the guy that does blah. Oh, I do blah. But, but that's not the thing that I do because a lot of people do that. Right. Yeah. How do you, what do you do that no one else can do? And I've kind of, I've kind of thought about this too. Like, you know, I really do just want to focus on coloring for a while. Uh, the, the money's pretty decent and it's pretty, you know, a lot of the decision, I still have to make decisions, but a lot of the decision making's out of my hand. So it's a little more relaxed than other parts of making comics, uh, at least in my opinion. Um, but so many people can do what I do. I don't bring anything super unique to when I color. Uh, so many people can do what I do that then 
you know, maybe that's what I want to focus on. But then again, now I'm now I'm not hireable because of what I do. I'm hireable because I can do it. And those are two different things. Like, Mm. so now I'm competing in a much wider pool for a limited number of jobs than if I had spent 15 years being the guy that does, you know, X and Y and Z. So, uh, it go both ways. I mean, shit, if I can color for the next couple of years, that'll be the most successful couple of years I've ever had in comics, just being a cog in the machine. Uh, and I'm happy to do that now, but who knows? Like, I don't know if I want to leave a legacy. I would like to work until I can't work anymore and just have a, a career in comics, I guess. I don't know if I need a legacy. Yeah. I don't know. I, uh, Yeah, your, your legacy should be being enough for the people that rely on you. My legacy is in my children and that shit. Right, that bullshit that we're, we're told to say and told to believe in. Yeah, I, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I, I guess I probably already am a... Uh, uh, an entry in the library's index, but I don't know. I would like to. I would like to grow that. That's uh, what is that quote? Who said? Was it Carl Sagan said that books are are magic? Being able to talk to an audience through time, right? Like people still reading Shakespeare four hundred years later. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess like like I have no uh, I have no real uh, belief that I will tell stories that people will read in a hundred years from now. But I think that's people that. I think that's admirable and I think that's great that if you can tell a story that can be universally and read hundred years of hundreds of years from now, Jesus Christ, get it out. Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, that's one in a million. It's, right. That's not a, that, that's just a thing that happens. I don't think that's, that's not a, you know, something, it's something to aspire to, but it's not, it's not a goal. It's not a realistic goal. Anybody should set for themselves. Yeah. And it's, it's different. I think in comics, like a lot of people, you know, you'll pick up your first Shakespeare play or whatever, and it could be, let's say it's Romeo and Juliet that in 500 years, the first thing people read of Shakespeare's will be Romeo and Juliet. Like what are the odds that the first comic they read in 500 years is a Jack Kirby comic or, a you know, a Steve Ditko comic or something like that. Like, it seems like our, our, no Rudo. Yeah, like it seems like our our uh, medium that we work in is so progressive that they'll always read what's new, and then maybe if they're interested enough, they'll go back. As opposed to, you know, people can say Jack Kirby's the greatest for the next thousand years, but that doesn't mean he's the gateway comic for the gateway comic book for people in a thousand years. Whereas people say Shakespeare's the greatest writer of all time in a thousand years someone's going to the first real novel or the first real reading they do, the first real literature they read will be a Shakespeare play or something like that. Like, I don't think it, it's a direct translation to comics. I don't even know what we're talking about at this point. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Um, let's talk about this tweet you sent out. This might be your most yeah. viral tweet ever. Literally got tens and tens of comments. Tens and tens. Uh, and what, what made you, what made you send out the tweet that says who's the goat of minimalist comic line art? Is this something you're thinking about or yeah. just, no, it was something I, it, that was on my brain that I'm thinking about. It goes back to that question of, of what I want to be known for, you know? And, and it was also a question of uh, like um, staying employable because I, in in my brain, in my dumb dumb brain, I equate simplicity with speed, but that's not necessarily the case, right? Um, but that's kind of where I was going. 
Uh, okay, so your tweet was, who is the goat of minimalist comic line art? What were your, before you, when you posted it, who who are you thinking before you even get people chiming in? I, I knew Toth was going to be the answer, though I'm going to admit I have almost zero familiarity with any Toth stuff. Uh, I, 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 he did a cover for Batman Black and White that's on the cover of the trade. That's the only thing I know of him. And I, yeah. I, I didn't look him up or anything after people voted him as the consensus victor. Yeah, I think um, I, I also chose him as the number one dude. Uh, and I think a lot of the guys that are mentioned in the thread in the responses to you are come from the school of Toth or they come from or Toth. And they come from the school of Kirby. Almost everyone like mentioned. Toth, I'm sure it's Toth. Uh, yeah, like Hoth. Uh, but everyone kind of falls in. Like all these other names, uh, Tim Sale, Eduardo Rizzo, um, Darwin Cook, Bruce Tim. They all either fall into like a Kirby school or a Toth school. Um, uh, Los Brothers Hernandez. Uh they all fall like so like every, like Chris Somney might be the best dude working right now that falls into this this category and he's obviously a Toth guy, Toth guy. <laughs> um but yeah, like these are kind of my favorite guy. Like reading through the responses here, I, I do love the dude with the default photo and and default bio. It just says bio your biography goes or tell us something about yourself or his bio. He has a default photo and he has 14 followers. And he said he doesn't get the love for, for Toth. Like it, he doesn't make sense to him. Um, so shout out to that guy. Uh, but yeah, a lot of these guys, I, I never would have even been, they wouldn't have been top of mind for me, but like Eduardo Rizzo. Great. Um, Rob Haynes. I think Rico brought up Rob Haynes. What a fucking pull there. Um, oh yeah. Rob Haynes, like Rico mentioned. Out of sight, spot. out of mind. Yeah. But he also did, didn't even spot blacks. So, I mean, that's how, I mean, basically everything was inked with like a 0.08 fucking uh, micron. And the guy still wrote or still drew, I think, three three of the best Daredevil issues ever. Um, Darwin Cook, again, like I said, Bruce Tim, they all fall under that. Mignola is the one guy that might be unique on this list that I can't trace back. I can't 100% trace Mignola back to, to, to Toth or Kirby. He is like... He is like the child of both. He's not a devotee of one. He's like the child of both. You know, he comes from a loving family with two active and participating <laughs> parents. You know, like yeah, I I can, yeah, I suppose I see a lot of uh, Kirby in Mike's early stuff. Yeah, but it's like he took the cartooning of Kirby, uh, bend it to you know, bent it to what he wanted it to be, and then use the aesthetic of Toth for its finishes. Um, but you have a name on here that no one mentioned, and uh, whenever you put a note in here in the in the in the in the Tig Show uh, group doc, the Google Doc, I'm ecstatic. You put a note in here of something I've never thought, and a guy I've never personally uh, invested in. Uh, you said Mobius. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I'm sure you could put a lot of – I don't know if he's the beginning. He's certainly the most famous, right, of the the European comic exports. And so, so I'm not sure if he is a part of somebody else's influence tree, but there, there's mm -hmm. certainly guys that are a part of his. Yeah, I would say Eduardo Rizzo is part of yeah. his. Um, yeah. God, I never remember his – Fucking name, Jordy uh, Jordy Benet or Benet? Yeah, and the, the uh, Eduardo's art cousin. Oh, fuck, I can never remember his name. He did a run on Hellblazer with Azarello. Oh, Le Leo Leonardo Fernandez. No, oh, I don't remember. I'll, I'll have to look it up. Listener is shouting at the at the. When I edit this, I'll right drop it in. Yeah, when you edit this, you go ahead and drop that soundbite in right here. Uh, yeah, a lot of these guys like Hairs, 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 Adventures of 1010. Um, 
Yeah, all of these guys must have influences we just don't know. You know, and it goes yeah, sure. Back, illustrate, you know, illustration guys, you know, that that they're taking skills from these illustrators and just uh applying them in a comic in a in a sequential storytelling format. Yeah, yeah, there were a lot of shit answers too. Oh yeah, I love the ones who were like throw anybody under the bus. Yeah, like there's a lot of yeah, DM me. Oh <laughs> yeah, there were at least half a dozen responses from <laughs> I don't know, like uh, graphic design bot accounts. It was strange, but uh, no, like there were some uh, some real bad answers. Because well, and not- then the per- uh, the poster would share an example of the person they're mentioning, and it is clearly not minimalist by right, any definition. Like- well, it, even the guys who were like, you know, have you ever looked at uh, Toth? Like all these lines, like, and then they would show an example. I mean, Toth had such a wide swath of, of of work out there, has a wide swath of work out there that, of course, you can pull an example that's heavily rendered, uh, you know, Toth stuff. But that doesn't mean that he, you know, I be- I believe that, I think he said this something like, you know, you put the lines in that need to be in there. Something yeah, like somebody that. somebody mentioned. Trevor Von Eden. Like, yeah, that's, that's not that's not that's Come not on. minimalist. I mean, it's it's not. I mean, I guess in in comparison to uh, Jim Lee Scott Williams drawing, that's minimalist. <laughs> yeah, I see. So we're, we're talking yeah, relatively. We're talking, we're talking Frank Miller. Uh, you know, another guy who takes that up right now, like Michael Cho. Uh, he's in that Somni school, that Toth school, that Kirby school. Yeah, um, if you're doing feathering or hatching, I think you're automatically disqualified from the discussion. Gil Kane? Yeah, like, no. He's Gil an Kane, illustrator. Yeah, he's il- he's an illustrator. Yeah, th- yes. They just don't, again, they're going off of like, uh, I liked your comment about Stephen Platt was a clear winner. Like, these are dudes who are like, well, you know, in contrast to Splat, Fucking anyone is minimalist in contrast to that, you know, like, but I mean, people have different opinions of what, what minimalist means. Is it few lines? Is it basic shapes? Is it, you know, in my opinion, it's lack of, lack of unnecessary rendering makes you a minimalist comic creator. Yeah. And I don't mean unnecessary, like, uh, just putting lines on there for, for anything like, Jorge Jimenez is not a minimalist comic creator, but I don't think he has a bunch of unnecessary lines either. Um, you know, they're not, uh, one doesn't cancel out the other, but definitely, you know, Chris Somney and Jorge Jimenez are two completely different animals who are both, you know, top five guys right now working in comics, doing completely different things while still doing the same thing. It's a unique, uh, well said. it's a unique field that we work in, you know, cause like, Fucking a plumber yeah, and all a, kinds. A plumber, and everyone's accepted. It's very inclusive. A plumber in Ohio and a plumber in California are both using the same fucking fifty foot snake, doing the same job, just in a different geographical location. Whereas we can have people from all over the world bringing different skill sets, doing the same job. That's I think that's unique in almost any field. Storytelling, yeah. I guess. Yeah, it's unique and, storytelling. Yes. Yeah, the, and the mainstream. Uh, comic book, uh, 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 art landscape is, is as wide open as it's ever been. Uh, house style isn't a thing anymore, you know? Uh, yeah. So it's, it's cool. Uh, but you know, it, uh, it, it really, I don't know. It puts the pressure on to find a thing that you can sell yourself on. Yeah. That you can be the guy I've talked about this before, but I was, uh, I asked Brian Stelfreeze once to look at my portfolio. And of course, of course he was like, it's fine. Your work is fine. Which at the time I was like, Oh, thank you. Sure. It wasn't me. <laughs> but then he did say like, He's like, but everyone's work. You know, basically, a lot of people can do what we do. You want to be a guy who's known to do this, what we do. So, uh, yeah, it's – and this even goes back to Austin's question from earlier in the pod is it's easy to be a guy who can do the job. It's much, much, much more difficult to be 
the guy that can only do this. You know, like let's yeah. get a let's get a Scott Godleski to to properly reboot Azrael. You know, a, a comic based on the cat from a Gargamel's cat in the Smurf <laughs> in the Smurfsverse. Right, that's my pitch. Right. Yeah, but like, yeah, there there definitely is there is a hundred steps between being like, oh yeah, he's fine. We'll get Ryan to color this. He's fine, as opposed to only Ryan can color this. Or only Scott can draw this book, as opposed to yeah, Scott can draw this book. Like it's a, it's a huge difference there, and sure. I don't, and I honestly, and I, and I'm honest enough with myself to know to think that I don't know if I'm ever going to reach that level of skill. To be a guy that people think is the only guy that can do this project justice, I don't know if I'll ever reach that. Maybe I should strive for it, I, but yeah, I and also that I don't know that there's anybody that's the only choice for anything either. You know, it's like, uh, yeah, I, I mean, there's going to be a short list probably. Right. So if you're doing like a Western or something, you know, at the top of that short list, I'm going to have like Dan Pinosian and, uh, I'm going to have, uh, probably Eduardo Rizzo, but those are two very different guys. Right. So, again, it's I don't know, but they're going to be at the the top of short lists for a lot of stuff. Yes, that's the thing. The dudes who are going to be shortlisted for Project A are going to be shortlisted for projects B through Z as well. Right. They're just the best guys currently working. Um, but again, they're unique guys working. No one draws like Panosian right now. No one draws really like Rizzo right now. Um, no one draws. I mean, I guess a lot of people try to draw like maybe Somni, but no one draws quite like Somni right now. Um, you know, so same with Mignola. A lot of guys, you know, you can get a book being like, oh, we want a Mignola type to draw this book. That's easy. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I guess my advice to everybody and to myself would be don't. Don't try to do that shit. Just double down on what you're doing and do what you do better. Yeah. Do you ever, uh, I don't know if I ever do this. Do you ever evaluate what you think you do well and then consciously think about how you push that forward? No. I mean, that's good advice. Yeah. Like, uh, like there are definitely books where I look, I look at them and I'm like, the coloring is fine on this. Like the coloring is more than good on this book. I like the way it's colored, but I couldn't necessarily color that way. Um, so what am I trying to say? What am I trying to say here? Like as how do you stand uh, out? Like, should you push? I don't know. Okay. I have a question for you. Yeah. As both a line artist and a color artist, <laughs> Wait real quick, Gonzo and I just talked about this yesterday about uh, how just just be a colorist, just be a penciler, just be an inker. Like stop with the artist at the end of everything. No, yeah, sorry, Gonzo turned me around on it, but please continue. No, I think it's I I think it's totally appropriate. And okay, All right. I believe I'm going to restate the question. Please, as both a line artist and a color artist. Which do you think – which medium do you think is easiest to be the most malleable? So is it easier, do you think, to draw like Eduardo Rizzo or do you think it's easier to color like Jordi Belair? I think it's easier to – uh, color in different styles than it is to draw in different styles because when you draw in different styles, you're still the you're still the same asshole laying the page out. No matter what style you want to finish that page in, you're unless you really really are taking your time with it, you're laying it out the same way, and then you're just trying to finish it in a different way or render it in a different way. Um, and I think those limit. I think those limitations and the rendering is what's going to is what's going to, uh, you know, 
is going to be your downfall is the rendering. Oh, Whereas in, in comics, especially if I was trying to mimic a, an airbrush heavy coloring style, that would be fairly easy to do. Um, if you're trying to like the, the style now, the, the, the popular big two style now is like hard cuts and gradients and using like your wand tool to select areas to make hard cuts and gradients. Um, I'm not really that good at that, but I, I, I don't think it's beyond my skill set to learn how to color that way. If I put the time in and really, you know, if I spent a month, if I could take a month off and spend a month studying Marte Gracia's coloring, I'm not saying I would be at his level, but I think I could be become you could approach I could become like competent. I could become competent at that style of coloring. Mm -hmm. uh, it's not really something I'm interested in, though. Like I, you know, sometimes I'm like coloring my third or fourth page of the day, and I'm like, shit, I'm getting kind. Of, this is repetitive because of how I color. I color the same. I follow the same steps when I color. You know, A B C D E F G that kind of shit. But at certain points when I'm coloring, I'm like. I'm glad I'm coloring this way. Like I was coloring a book yesterday, some David Hahn art, and I can really focus on making it look like a cartoon, like animated style, um, hard shadows, general highlights, um, similar to what I do with, do with your stuff, just a little more toned down. And I was thinking to myself, like, this is fun. Like I'm having fun, even though I, even though it's like the fourth page of the day and I would rather be doing something other than working. It's just like anyone else you can love your job, but still rather be doing something else. Uh, when I'm in the moment, when I'm dropping a shadow on like a fucking arm or a cast shadow on something and I'm doing it the way I want to do it, I'm having so much, I'm really enjoying what I'm doing. And those are the comics I like to read are colored the way I color. Um, but there, I, I, I could, I think I could mimic almost any coloring style. If I really put in the effort, I think I could put in, thousands of hours and I would never be able to draw like Stuart Eminem or, you know, the guys that I really enjoy their artwork. I don't know if I could ever reach that. I don't know if I could ever approximate that. I think I can approximate other color styles and I don't want the color army. And if the color army even knew about me, then maybe they'd come after me, but I'm an outlier, baby. They don't know me. I'm not invited to any discord. I'm not on any email chains. I'm not on any discords. Your ghost. They don't care about me. That's right. Um, yeah. So again, I would be more than thrilled with just coloring comics and drawing my own comics for the next 20 years of my life. That would be, to me, that would be, I've made it. I've done it. I can, t I can tell my stories once a year. I can put out my 60 page comic once a year, and then I can just work and get paid coloring books and just, uh, I, that to me would be a great, a good career to have. Not great, but a good career to have. And who am I to assume that I deserve more? Whereas someone like you, who I've known for over a decade, I don't think you've reached your peak yet. Hmm. It's probably because you don't drink in the first thing in the morning. That's probably what's holding you back. Well, that's the only thing. The only thing. Um, unless you have any other thoughts, you want to just move on to Rex and wrap this shit up? Oh, sure. Yeah. Uh, did you watch Prey? I watched it last night. Yeah. Yeah, my note is nothing earth-shatteringly different, but it's incredibly well done with what it does. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, yeah, I, I think I agree with that assessment. Yeah, I like the cast. I like the environment yeah, it was set in. Really good. I like uh, I like the it had some some minor Indigenous social Aubrey Plaza. Yeah, yeah. First yeah, First Nation Aubrey Plaza. Uh, had a uh, I like the uh, what's the, I don't want to say the word social justice, but it had a it had a uh, social context to it that I like. It had a colonization aspect to it that I enjoyed. Uh, uh, spoiler alert, I liked seeing the, the French fur trappers get fucked up. That was fun. Um, yeah, I just, I dug it. I thought it was fun. And I think, <clears throat> I, I like the, I think it set a good precedent for what you can do with these kind of movies. You know, why, why not have, why not have an alien set fucking, uh, well, I guess they can't be set on earth, but 
Yeah, why not have aliens attack the first base on fucking Saturn or something like that? Like, I guess that's what all aliens movies are. Um, yeah, I, I was yes, I, I was after I finished it and thinking about it this morning, I was considering other possible entries in, in the Predator library, and yeah. what you can do. Yeah, you, you, I appreciate this. I didn't see The Predator because I heard it was a piece of shit. It looked like a piece of shit. I don't remember anything about Predators, really, other than I like the idea. It was something different. I don't recall how the execution turned out. Um. Predator 2, I think I've only seen once, but again, it did something different. Just do something different. I would like to see one where Predator wins. Can we, can we get one where he wins at the end? Yeah, like, I mean, I think go nuts with it. Like, I think Fox owns both the Predator franchise and Justified. So why can't Raylan, why can't Raylan on a really humid summer go to some swamp to investigate a murder and have to fight a fucking alien. Why not? Yeah. Why not? You know, he'd probably make friends with though. They'd be like doing shots of bourbon and shit. Probably uh, wild Turkey one one rye, you know, in the back of a truck somewhere. Uh, but yeah, like you could, you could drop a predator in feudal Japan. You could drop a predator. I was thinking in that. Yeah. It, it, yeah. Uh, like Drop them in the uh, British penal colony, Australia, and have them fuck up a bunch of convicts. Yeah. No. Uh, yeah, feudal Japan would be cool. Uh, cavemen. You know. Yeah. Cowboys. Drop them in. Drop um, them in during the gold yeah, rush. Yeah. I, I thought it was fun. I appreciated that it was slim. It was like a was a hundred minutes maybe. Yeah, something like that. It was over pretty quick. It was. It was you get in and out, right? Uh, yeah, good, good for them. Uh, they, I can't. I, as somebody that's consumed other things and is aware, I can't come into it blank. So I don't know how it plays for the uninitiated. But it seems like it's probably okay for well, for a general audience who isn't familiar yeah with, uh, with i mean sort of the lore the rules yeah my uh my 19 year old watched it with us and he's never seen predator and he was like yeah that, he's like he's like yeah that was cool you know and i told him if you think that's cool go watch predator and you'll see yeah. really muscular oily men do it, the same thing it, it felt like a like the disney version of predator you almost had like a Disney princess yeah. versus predator sort of thing. But I, I don't know. I thought it was, it was fun. I liked it. Well done, everybody. Well done, everybody. Uh, all right. You have one on here before I wrap it up. You wrote one on here that, that. Oh, I, did that, you not finish Sandman? I will say, sorry. I think the neighbor upstairs doing the Lombada. Um, that's the forbidden dance. Uh, I will say I watched two and a half episodes and then we were like, we got to go to bed cause we're tired. And then and we never, we never turned it back on. And I think it, and this is a credit to it. I think it is very, is so much in the vein of the comics yes. that I never got into the comics either. So it, it's almost too emo for me. I was worried in the first five minutes because it felt like something that was that was trying to uh, get in with with the mass audiences, where it was sort of explaining itself a little bit. And right. I would. I I thought. Oh no, this is. It's going to treat its audience as idiots. But uh, it turned out there were only two instances where that really bothered me. Um, 
because I, I think part of the magic of the books is that it kind of just it does its thing. It just it it doesn't explain itself to you. Uh, it, you're kind of you're left to just pick up on right. how things work, and um, so I I thought it was it was lovely. Like it, the first half of the the season are mostly standalone episodes uh, with him uh, getting himself back together and collecting his stuff. I wasn't as taken with Joanna Constantine as all of Twitter seems to be. I thought she was fine. Right. Yeah. Um, it's interesting, though, now that we have almost as many takes as Con- on Constantine in 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 film and television as we do on Superman at this point. Right. Yeah. But uh, but episode I think it was episode five. The death episode was one of the loveliest pieces of TV I've ever seen. That's what I've heard. I think I need to go back to at least get to that episode because I've heard that's really really good. Oh, may, yeah, it, five or six or something. It was like so heartwarming. Yeah, and that's the only thing I've ever really investigated into the Sandman universe is the Death miniseries. So, um, I mean, I should finish it up for my geek cred. I guess I already blew it by saying I never read the comics. It's just, I mean, I shocker i'm not one to uh to change or evolve so i grew up (laughs) i grew up on superhero comics so it's hard for me to i I would not have been into sandman you know sandman was the comic and death was the comic that friends of mine read that would not read x-men they read that you know because they were wearing their fucking doc martens and they were fucking you know putting on their black t-shirts and shit and their fucking chokers yeah so like and that's that's cool because that's what they wanted. They wanted to read this book that was that was a comic, but that was quote unquote highbrow comic where the rest of us were reading fucking, you know, Captain America punching a werewolf or some shit, or Captain America becoming a werewolf. Um, so I just never got into it. Have a werewolf? Yeah, it's not worth my time. Yeah, you're missing out on that big lichen market. Uh, yeah, I should go back. I should go back and finish it. It just didn't. Uh, it's not. It, it just didn't push either one of us to finish it. And uh, like I said, I can't. Uh, or like I've said in the past, I can't bend shows at work because we don't. I don't have the bandwidth to do that. So yeah. it has to be something I either got to go sit in my room alone to watch or convince the wife, like, hey, let's just finish this. And uh, I, I thought it was very good. I, it wasn't great, but I thought it was very good. I, I wish they had color corrected the lead's skin tone to be more to be milkier rather than leaving him normal flesh skim, color. Skim milk or whole milk? Oh, skim. Skim. Skim milk colored. So like a bluish. Or maybe one. like an off-white, like a grayish white, so maybe like a oat milk or something. I don't know. Yeah. Kind of there you go. Yeah, like an almond milk. Yeah. Uh and it's it, that, that's one of the few books that in any adaptation i think is going to be made lesser just because of the limitations of film right i mean it, it because most of the time you're aware you're watching a TV show, even though it, it looks great. Just a lot of the framing. And, uh, like in the last episode with dream, just like walking down the aisle in a convention hall and then up onto the stage, you're very aware that he's the Lord of dreams but he's also a dude who's now walking up steps onto the stage in Florida. It's, it's just kind of, eh. Spoiler so, alert. Yeah, I, I, yeah. Um, it's still a TV show, but I think it was the best version of it that it could be. So hats off to everybody. It's the best show I've seen since Midnight Mass, maybe. So. No, that's high. Good praise. on everybody. I was really worried it was going to be bad. 
All right. So my last, my thing, just this morning, I moved it from TikTok to Rex. And uh, so that's a big, I mean, they're going to thank oh. me for this. This is big praise. Uh, so like a maybe two years ago, or no, maybe we got Apple Plus for uh, for Ted Lasso. So yeah, maybe two years ago. I watched the pilot to uh, For All Mankind. Mm-hmm. And I dug it, but I was just like, oh, maybe it's not, you know, it's not super exciting. And maybe at that time I wanted something different from it. But I recently went back to it this past week. And uh, I think I've fallen in love with this show. Like, uh, I love I love uh, early NASA shit. I love space race stuff. I just love space stuff. Like, like not sci-fi space stuff. I like that too. But I like I like uh, real science-based space shit. And uh, this is right up the alley. It's on Apple Plus, like I said. And it's basically, it takes the, it takes the premise of had we continued the space race against the Russians and not stopped going to the moon and not like, like in real life, we, we reached the moon first and then we kind of was like, well, we're done. We put our flag on it and we're done. This show posits the thing like, what if Russia beat us? What if Russia beat us to the moon? Then Americans are going to be like, well, fuck them. Now we have to be better than them. And so it just sort of compounds on that. Like it's a space race with the Russians that's now lasted for 20 years. Mm. And the first season takes place in the 70s. The second season does a time jump to the 80s. And then from what I've heard, the current season, the third season takes place in the 90s. Um, but what I liked about the space race shit, the the Apollo era astronauts and that kind of stuff in the first season, uh, I like the way that they've aged up the characters and they've aged up the relationships between the characters. It all just seems very real to me that the, these characters, that, that they've known each other for 20 years. So as the viewer, even though you've only seen them in 13 episodes, for me, like 13 episodes so far, I buy the relationship is 20 years old, you know, like. I, I buy a lot of the, the the relationship shit. And sometimes it goes a little bit overboard. Sometimes it's a little sappy. It goes into like CBS territory, like a CBS drama territory occasionally. But for the most part, it hits on, on everything I love. Good characters, good relationships, uh, healthy relationships, healthy like uh, competitive relationships, male, male, adult male relationships. It just, it's a good representation of all this shit. Um, and I'm just really, really digging it and I'm excited to, to see it keep advancing. Cause like, cool. it's just interesting. Like they'll do news clips and they'll be like, so because it's an alternate kind of take on everything, like this didn't happen. This didn't happen. You know, like Nixon was never, Nixon never resigned. So he served a full eight years. So there was no Jimmy Carter. It went straight to like Kennedy, but not JFK, Ted. And then after Ted and there were Reagan, so everything's kind of advanced. Like there's already electric cars in the early eighties. There's like, which, which in my mind would have happened had, had we had NASA kept developing new technologies throughout the seventies and eighties, other than just the, the space shuttle. And had they sold their patents to the public, then you would have had like all these technologies much earlier. You know, they have email in the early eighties. They have, like I said, electric cars, you know, a, a nuclear powered jets and shit. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, it's it's really interesting. I like it. I like the cast. Uh, and again, I like I like the way they treat the cast. They're not afraid to make someone look bad. They're not afraid. Like it's very real. You know, people have bad days, and they're not afraid to make one of their characters a piece of shit. Like there was a scene. I'm not going to spoil anything. There's a scene where you 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 learn to like this character because he's like a tough old guy, but he's fair. He's always fair. And then at one point, even as he's even as he's sick he learned something about someone else and he's kind of disgusted by it. And, and me, I was like, fuck, I didn't want this character trait for this guy. Like now this lessens this guy in my mind, but that's good writing. You know, it fit the character and it's good writing to make yeah. you to question like, Oh, I do like this guy. Now do I not have to like this guy because he said one thing I don't agree with? Do I have to reevaluate, you know, why I like this guy? Like it's, it, that's good writing. You know, and it reminds me kind of like uh, Stringer Bell on the wire. Like you learn to really, I learned to really like Stringer Bell on the wire. And he's a fucking bad guy. He's, a, he's, I mean, he is a bad guy. And so, but like, it's that relationship that I get with these characters. I, I get some similar vibe to this. So 
I guess what I'm saying for all mankind on Apple Plus, uh, it's good. Watch it in between your Ted Lasso rewatches. Why not? Yeah, I hear good things, so I will put it on the list. Yeah, I don't know if, unless you have a boner for NASA, it's gonna you're not gonna get through the first season. The first half of the first season, especially, is all it's like the right stuff. It's like all fucking hardcore get to space shit, and then the personal stuff kind of happens towards the end of the first season and then carries into the, the second season. But, but if you've, if you've been jonesing, jonesing for cold war politics in your shows, then you'll definitely love it. No, oh, can't get enough of that. Can't get enough of that. All right. I was watching Bob's burgers the other day. I was like, yeah, if only there was some cold war espionage. All right, final notes. Have you ever had a tequila sunrise? No. Well, I never have either, but I cannot recommend enough pineapple vodka, pineapple juice, vodka, and maraschino cherry syrup. Yeah, it sounds like a winner. This is fucking fantastic. It's cool, though, that I got to now go into the office and color like four pages. Sorry, Carl. Sorry, Carl and David. Those are going to be some interesting four pages. Uh, I give it my highest recommendation. I give it five out of five. Wow. Take show glasses. And who knows? Right. I might get up. I might get up at four thirty a.m. tomorrow to watch Everton live, and then maybe I'll bust these out. Because, of course, when your team sucks, they get the worst fucking time slot. We're four thirty tomorrow, and for the oh rest of the month. For the rest of the month, we're 7 a.m. games. Tomorrow we have Aston Villa, so hopefully. But we still don't have a striker because, God forbid, we sign a striker this week. So We do have our 35-year-old backup striker, though, who scored exactly one goal last season. So, Strikers don't grow on trees. A great final thought, Scott. I'll talk to you next week, buddy. Say goodbye yeah. to everybody. Bye, everybody. <laughs>